Welcome to another episode of Local First Podcast. Um, I'm very excited about this episode uh, recorded here out of Studio 1A at Exacta Corporation in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Today we have John Elliott of MKE Drones. So this is super exciting for me because it's like, to me, it's like, you know, you got, you grew up in, uh, you got your dream job flying around toys. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So that that's really cool. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Very good. You? Awesome. So before we get into all the fun stuff of the drones and all that stuff like that, you know, let the listeners give a little bit of background of, you know, how'd you get to from where you are to the drones? Sure. So um, I've, I've got about 10 years in the paving industry, the construction, uh, asphalt paving industry, and about, I would say three to four years ago, we started, um, our owner made a decision. He wanted to do some more marketing stuff with drones. So they threw it at me being the youngest guy at the company. Hey, uh, you want to do this? And I was like, sure. I mean, I, I've, I've got a little camera experience from back in high school, college. And then, you know, I have a, kind of a techie background just growing up, always had stuff around the house, working on computers and all that. So I jumped right in and, uh, probably, a year of doing that with work off and on. It's it's not my main job. It's just one piece that they kind of threw at me. I thought, man, there's definitely a business opportunity here. So I um, bought some more gear, started up a business, and um, still keep buying gear. But here we are now, a couple of years later, um, with the business. So really, what have some of your challenges been with the um, getting a new business going with the drones and shooting video and all that good stuff? The early on legal was the first hurdle. Um, I actually started doing it before the part 107 days is, is what we operate under now. That's the uh, latest set of FAA federal rules for drones. Um, so I, I started doing it before that when it was a little bit more of a wild west sort of days, there was something back then that was called a section 333 that the FAA would give people that was super hard to get. And it required that whoever was flying the drone have a actual manned pilot's license which was basically, I, I didn't have one. So if I wanted to do anything, I had to have a pilot come in and, and quote unquote fly the drone, which sucks because generally a pilot is, might, might be great at flying a plane. They, they probably have zero drone flying experience. So totally it just didn't- animal. Yeah. It, so nobody really followed it unless there was, you know, um, very serious, you know, implications for what they were doing. Like if you're, if you were doing a movie or something like that, there's a lot of legal implications, they might do follow all that. But back then it was very much the wild west. So that was the early hurdles of just trying to understand all that. And then once the FAA and the, and, and Congress and all that came out with part 107, it, it got a lot, um, in most ways it got a lot simpler. So then you can go take a test get your license then, you pay a fee, take a test, you get your license. That then allows you to legally fly commercially, which then also allows you to get insurance because your insurance won't cover you if you're not if you're not certified. Um, so those are some of the early hurdles trying to understand all that and wade through all that stuff. Um, yeah. What kind of trouble can someone get if they're not licensed and they – so, I don't know, run into a building or, you know, it falls out of the sky and it falls on a car or something so like that. So if you're if you're not licensed um, – if you're just flying as a, so there's two ways to fly. If you're a hobbyist, you could still crash into a house, a car, what a building, whatever. And then you're still liable. Um, you can get insurance policies as a hobbyist through, um, like some of the, I'm trying to think of the name of the company or the, uh, what's it called? The AMA, the, the aeronautical model. So, uh, the association of model aeronautics, that's what they are. Okay. Um, if you're a member, you have an insurance policy that they can basically cover you under. Um, and that would help you out that way as a commercial 
operator though, you have to be certified or else your insurance won't cover anything. And then you are a hundred percent liable for whatever damages you've caused. And then there's also, you know, if you hurt people, all that, there's then lawsuit damages that could come after you for too. So there's, there's significant implications just from the, um, the liability side, but then legal implications. Um, if, if things do go south, then Usually law enforcement will fill out a report that then gets handed to the FAA and they'll either deal with it or if it's serious enough, it'll go off to the NTSB and they will actually take care of it. There was an incident last year where a is in New York City where a uh, is actually a it was technically a hobbyist flight. I believe the guy wasn't flying for money or anything like that or, or for a business. And he actually hit a military helicopter with a drone Whoa. and he was flying beyond line of sight. He was flying in airspace he wasn't supposed to be in. All kinds of things. So I don't, I don't know what his end fines issues and all that were, but I know the NTSB investigator who went and and they had to figure out who it was, make a bunch of phone calls, start, you know, there was some some trouble there for that guy. I did, I do think he had to pay a bunch of fines. So. That's crazy. Did you just see that uh, news article where there was some uh, drones that shut down that airport in England? So were there? That's why I'm no, I don't know. I'm just I'm saying. I was like, <laughs> so they 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 claim there were okay, um, or they did claim there were, but now they're kind of backpedaling. Going, really, we're not sure there ever was a drone. And if you look, so if you look at my Twitter feed, I posted a day before they said that. I said I'm guessing this never even happened. And then if you look, the next day was when they started putting out articles that were like, oh, maybe there never was a drone. So what what I, the first thing that tipped me off was it was spotted at 9 p.m. So it's dark out, and if it's someone trying to do things maliciously, I mean, you're not going to have much light on your drone probably. Like if I fly at night underneath my regulations, I have to have special lights that have three mile visibility. You can see them for really far away. Otherwise, a drone at night is almost impossible to see. Right. There's there's small lights that come built into them, but they're not that bright. You can't see them that far away. So the first tip off to me was a drone spotted at nine o'clock at night. I'm like, yeah, in a massive airport area, there's no way. And then... Beyond that, there was never any videos that popped up. And there were some that showed up on Twitter, but apparently the police were flying a drone once the airport shut down as they were trying to look around. So I think a lot of the videos that went online were actually the police's drone oh, at the airport. They, so, act, they, so, act, they actually brought some people in on it, didn't they? And then they released them. Oh, geez. They got released. And it was, yeah, it was, they weren't even, they, the guy was working that day when it happened. So they've not found out, A, it, who had done it, and B, they really don't have any proof that it happened. What I, what I suspect happened is, Someone thought they saw a drone, you know, quote unquote, thought they saw a drone, and then they started panic, and then the panic hit, shut down the airport because everybody started talking about it, and then it hit the news media, and then once something hits the news media, everybody and their mom within five miles is going, oh no, there's a drone in the air, I just saw it, and they're making reports to the police about about the drone. So they had, quote unquote, 67 sightings, but there's no photos, no videos, there's no, there's no proof that it actually happened. Maybe it was a UFO. Well, and then a couple days later, somebody <laughs> called the police and reported that they saw a drone. Turned out it was a crane, and it was one of the lights on top of a crane. This was like oh, two weeks or a week later, I believe. But so I actually think the whole Gatwick thing was was a total farce. So, so we got that cleared up. I, I don't even have it, to go it see it. It hasn't been 100 percent cleared up, but that's my opinion on yeah. it because there's there's just no evidence on it. All right, so all right. that's most cool. most drones are actually geo locked, um, where you can't fly near the airports. There's ways around it if you know what you're doing, but. The majority of, of people, you can't even you take can't off go. near an airport. All right, cool. So let, let's talk a little bit more about MK, MKE drones. MKE drones. Tell sure. us a little bit about what do you do? So we do um, we do aerial imaging, um, whether that's photos or video, both. 
um, which is basically all drones do. When, when you boil down all the various things that drones are doing, it all comes down to imaging, um, whether it's thermal or, or regular RGB cameras or whatever. So we do everything from um, flying construction sites for construction companies to working with TV commercials, TV shows. Um, last year, we did one work on one feature film that was in Milwaukee. Um, lots of commercial real estate. Um, you know, so that that varies from we go out and shoot it, and then we bring it back, do all the editing for it, and put out a final video or photos for a client. To um, on larger productions, we just shoot, we hand that off, and then the production company takes that and goes further with it to do whatever their their end goal is with that. So we've worked with all kinds of large companies in the area. A lot of them I can't talk about because on on your contract they say you can't discuss that you've done work for them. But but you name some some big Milwaukee companies or, or nationwide companies that are based out of Milwaukee, and we've you know done some projects for them in some way. That's really cool. I'm just looking at some of the ones that you'd have here on sure. your portfolio that are really nice, Lake Express, Marquette, Homebridge. That had to be fun. Yeah, Light the Home was a cool project. That was actually all gratis with them. We did all that for free just because that's, you know, that project's not really, um, it's not funded yet. And they are, you know, those guys that are doing that aren't really getting paid to do it. They're doing it as That's a, right. They're doing like, it in yeah. sections, aren't they? Just trying to get that across. That'll be really cool once it's all done. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're doing a cool thing there. I mean, it's even for, even for me as taking photos of the city, even at night or whatever, I mean, the home bridge is a black spot right now. It really you is. You it. don't see it. Yeah. There's nothing there. So it'll be cool once it's able to be lit up all the way and, and, uh, and ready to go. That is really slick. So I'm looking on here. I was like, what does it take to like, you know, it's, it's obviously it's fun to be flying these things around. It's gotta be. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but there's, there's just like, just like we're sitting here talking, this is the fun part of doing the podcast. Yeah. So after the fact you're done, what happens next? I mean, what goes into, you know, creating that awesome video that you do with your drones? Yeah. So, you know, shooting is generally the fun part. Sometimes it's a little old though. I mean, if you're on a full day shoot, a 10 hour day shoot, it gets it gets wearing because it's funny. There's some shoots where I, I did one uh, with uh, Snap on um, about two months ago that just came out. Actually, uh, it was their their New Year's video, and um, did a lot of flying that day in five hours. And it, it gets a little bit tiring after a while. Uh, but then there's other shoots that you do where you're out there all day and it's hurry up and wait. Like you, you know they're shooting other stuff and they're you're just sitting there waiting for them to be ready for you and you got to be ready to go because when they call you, you got to be up and get in the air quick and be ready to go. Um, you know, some of the other shoots though, a lot of shoots take less than an hour. Like for instance, a commercial real estate shoot, I can get a building shot in an hour. Um, but then it's, it's take the footage back. It's, you know, going through all of it, clipping out all the pieces. It's, it's, you know, two or three hours back at the office just to get it prepped and get everything ready. And then, you know, another couple hours of finalizing it. And then you got to go through revisions with customers on each, each version of the video. So I'll send them initial one. They'll go, okay, we want to add all these motion graphics and stuff. And you got to go in and do all that. And then, no, we want to change the, you know, it's, it's a lot of back and forth to get one video out sometimes. So. Yeah, totally understand. <laughs> yeah. What is, um, if you could go back in time, I guess, when you get this all started, what would you change or what would you do differently? Trying to specialize into a niche better or, or even actually beyond that, adding, I'm starting to work on adding more um, standard photography and video services too. I think maybe getting on that earlier would have been better because what, what most people don't know is it's very, there's not a whole lot of just drone companies out there. That's all they do is drone services. There are some. Um, but most of those are into really, really high end stuff where you're carrying around $150,000 payload, like doing, um, laser LIDAR scanning, 
of areas. Um, those exist, but you're talking, I mean, the drone's 20 grand, the laser's 150 sometimes. I mean, it's, wow. it's big money. Um, outside of that or outside of LA or Atlanta, where there's a lot of Hollywood film shoots going on or, or New York as well, you know, around the country, most people are, are similar to what I'm doing where it's, it's a part-time or a side gig still. So I think, I think either specializing into one of those really, really hardcore niches of like strictly doing thermal inspection kind of stuff or, um, doing, um, some of that laser LIDAR scanning and all that, either that or adding more ground services initially right away, like jumping with that in as part of the deal, as opposed to being very much, you know, drawn specific. And then now trying to add that after the fact is a little bit tougher, but I like that. I like that. Uh, right now, we're just going to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Trinergy Center for Integrative Psychiatry. You can check out her episode, Dr. Aruna, and that is episode 26 on Local First Podcast, where she talks about how nutrition can help your mental illness. Take a listen. A very cool episode. So what are three to five things that if someone wanted to use your services would need to know about you? Sure. <clears throat> the first thing would be, I would I always tell people is that we are FAA certified or, or we use FAA certified pilots to do all of our flying. Um, and then we're insured and, and those go together hand in hand, really. Um, like I said before, if you're not, if you're not flying under the FAA's part 107 rules and your insurance, you have a claim and your insurance finds out you weren't following those rules or, or there was some breach of those rules, they can just decide not to, um, not to cover a claim that happens. The next thing would be, um, quality. I mean, we, there's a significant amount of, of drones that are out there and people that are flying drones, but there's a big difference between people that have a lot of stick time as far as on our, on a remote control, the sticks, a lot of stick time, as we call it in the industry and not a lot of stick time. Um, and that comes down to a couple things. It comes down to one, knowing what to do in certain situations. If flight for life enters your airspace, you know, do you know what to do? I've had that happen. I had a plane enter my airspace today where I was flying and I, you have to give right, give, give away right away to a, any manned aircraft. So you got to make sure you're, you're following that when alerts and problems, cause drones are technology. I mean, all technology has issues that pop up, whether it's software related or, or actual hardware related, do you know what the issues are? Do you have the experience and the time, you know, operating the machine to know what to do with some of those things? And that's something that, um, I've got probably 500 plus hours now over the last couple of years, which is a lot. I mean, when a battery lasts 20 minutes, that's that a, lot a lot of time. Yeah. So we had that experience there. And then even on the, on the imaging and video side of it, knowing how to keep things smooth, get the exposure, right, get the frame rights, right. Shutter speed, all these little tiny things that don't matter to the end user. They don't, they don't notice any of that stuff, but to do things correctly and properly, you know, you have to understand those things and know those things as the person that's shooting and operating the drone and the camera. So, so I would say those are the things, the, the whole, the certification with the FAA, um, and following the, the whole legal side of things and then the insurance and then quality. And the last one would just be, um, community involvement. I mean, that's something that I try to do is whenever, so whenever a, a VIP that's government related, like the president or the vice president comes into town, they shuts down the airspace. So you can't fly drones. So every time that happens, I, I try to put that out to people on my social media account so that people can see that. Um, cause I, I, I'm not, we're not just about making money. I also want to be an advocate for this industry. And so that's something that we try to do too, as a company is advocate for the drone industry, whether that's, 
even the hobbyists that are out there. So, you know, when, when cities try to pass regulations and stuff, we try to go and um, email or, or contact them and try to, you know, see if we can help out with the legislation they want to make or even try to fight it if it's something that's going to be harmful for the industry. Nice. That's, that's really cool that you're getting involved. If you could go back in time and thought, wow, I'm really making a difference, you know, whether it be personal or in your business or the drones like that, you know, tell us the story. I'm sorry. Say that again. If you could go back in uh, back in time when you thought, you know, you're making a difference in what you're doing, uh, you know, whether it be personal or with the drones or something in, in between. Good questions. Good questions, right? Somebody warned me about this. Yeah. <laughs> Mart- Martin Moore warned me Might about this. It. Yes, he, goes, he did. He's got good questions. <laughs> Some of them will throw you. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That's all right. You can always go next. <laughs> no, that's okay. I yeah. want to answer it. You know, I, I guess I would still go back to what I kind of said before about trying to help out the, the, the drone community as a whole. Um, there's there's um, there's a group called the Drone U that's it's actually a paid membership thing that people can join, but I, I'm, at, I'm super, super active on there. Um, and it's all about trying to help new people come into the industry. And again, it is paid service that people pay to join and learn, but we also try to, as people that have more experience, provide benefit to those people, you know, even in, in Facebook forums and communities and stuff like that to help, um, newer people coming into stuff to, to, you know, get through the learning curve a little faster and, and understand some safety things and all that. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And then just in general, you know, like the Milwaukee videos that we post, we don't get paid for, but we love the city and we love to promote it and and uh, let people see our views of the city and our different angles that we get to see the city from that most people don't always get to see. That's so, awesome. I love the city too. Yeah. So what are some of the practices that have contributed to your success and being able to prep yourself to do some of these videos for these companies and, and for Milwaukee? Um, so it's... Part of, you know, part of it has to do with, um, the legal side of things. There's, you got to know what airspace you're flying. There's a whole bunch of procedures that you got to go through beforehand. So when somebody emails and said, Hey, I want to shoot, you know, site at, you know, XYZ location, it's going on. Okay. We need to check airspace first, make sure we're good with the airspace or that site. You know, does everything work? And if not, what is the proper route to get the approval for that airspace? Um, cause the reality is you could fly a drone to general Mitchell if you want to, if you have a reason to, you can get approval to do it. You can fly basically. You can fly basically anywhere. It's just a matter of what's the reason and going through the proper channels to get it approved. Um, so that's that's the first thing that has to be handled is the airspace side of thing. Then it's it's understanding what does a client need. You know, like uh, so we we try to make sure we have a good understanding of what their end use is for the video. Because once you understand their end use, you can kind of start to formulate. Okay, you know, some different questions to ask them about about then deeper in to really make sure we get what we want them. And then it's a matter of finding the right timing, whether there's always an issue, you know, sometimes it's great for weeks and it's no problem, but whether there's always an issue of, okay, you know, this is when this is our time frame to get the video done and when's our weather timeline to be able to fly and, and get that handled. Um, cause weather plays a role also in the legal aspects of things too. Unfortunately, there's, you know, if it's foggy out, you can't fly. I think the, the minimum visibility is three miles. If the visibility is less than three, three miles, you can't fly. Um, I might be wrong about that. It might be even, it might be, I think it might be one, but I think it's three. And so you, all these pieces have to go together. And then, you know, once you get the date figured out, okay, get it shot. And then it's going out through the editing process and trying to tell a story. Cause again, once you know the end product, you can hopefully put together a story for what the client wants. Cause every video is, is basically trying to tell a story in some way. 
So, and then it's just a matter of the revisions and, and, um, there's some softwares and stuff we use to help with that. Sometimes with, um, you know, you can send a client a video. They can actually comment inside the video with changes they want to make. And then you can just go back and review the video with those comments in it and, and see the changes they want to make. Is there any, like, uh, books or resources that have guided you through this entire process with drones? YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, initially, DroneU, I use that a lot. Um, YouTube, like I said, is great. Honestly, the best way to learn about a lot of this stuff is, is experience. I mean, especially the whole, the whole, as I talked about it early, the stick time thing yeah. and all the, the, the little quirks that drones have and, and, uh, equipment has the only way to get through that is to experience it and do has, it. And, is there any like virtual mentors or per people that have helped you out locally? Um, so not so much locally. Um, mm -hmm. I have some friends who fly locally, but, um, probably my, one of my biggest mentors is a guy out of Denver named Vic Moss. His company is called Moss Photography. And, um, you know, learned so much about photography from him early on. Um, I've done a couple of shoots with him in person too, where we've worked together on some things because he, he flies around the country doing different shoots, architectural stuff. Nice. Um, so I've learned a lot from him and he's been one of my biggest influences. So cool. What advice would you give to someone that wants to get started? You know, I would say start slow, start learning how to fly a drone first, you know, go to a park and take it easy and, and, and just start getting used to how the thing works and how they fly. And then from that point, it's really a matter of getting as much stick time. You, you basically got to fly every day early on. If you really want to get, get experience and get good at, it. you got to almost fly every day. You know, if you got only got one battery, go fly it every day. If you got two or three, then try to fly one or two a day or whatever, you know, and, and go get lots of, of stick time. And then from that point, start trying to educate yourself on, on how cameras work. I mean, it's, it's two things merged together. I mean, I, we talk about a drone, not about a drone, not just being a flying camera, but it's a camera you could put anywhere almost. I mean, we've flown them indoors. You can fly them almost anywhere, um, that there's not something already there. So, so it's, it's understanding how to fly the drone, but then there's the, so much to the camera side of it and understanding what, you know, how to, how to photograph correctly and different little tricks and techniques about photography. And then the video side of it too, is a whole separate, whole separate animal. There's all kinds of things that are unique to video work that are, you know, different from, from photo work. Um, so understanding that, and then once you kind of have a grasp on those, then is when you, you, you got to go out and start gathering imagery. I mean, I always tell people your website is going to be crucial, but if you don't have anything on your website, then your website's useless. I mean, people are coming to you for video and photos. You got to have some good stuff on your website, video and photos. They got to be up there. So, you know, it's, it's learn the sticks, learn the camera, and then start gathering stuff to start building a website and actually creating your company then from that point. And that'll take time. Yeah, it does. That'll it takes take time, time for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Put it, put it into work. What's the one thing that's got you most fired up about the future right now? I mean, you know, so we're starting 2019. I mean, every year's a new adventure. Uh, you know, we've gone from only doing a couple grand the first year to doing quite a lot last year and, and, and jumping into new experiences with, you know, did a whole bunch of stuff for a TV show early last spring. And just, I mean, that's, that's what fires me up is you never know what's coming next. You know, there's always something new that pops up, something that we haven't done before that comes up. And it's like, sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes you don't, you don't know what's about to happen. I mean, especially production shoots, like for TV commercials, so you almost never know what you're walking into. Like you, you have an idea, they've kind of given you a concept of what they want to do, but everyone operates differently. Every producer, every director is a little bit different. So you just never know what you're walking into. You're like, all right, you know, let's see how this one goes. Um, you know, so I guess I'm fired up about just the new year and seeing what it brings. That's awesome. 
I wish you all the best of luck on that. How does um, if someone gets a hold of you or wants to take a look at some of your videos and photos like that, where do they go? Um, our website is mkedrones.com. Otherwise, we are on every major social media platform. So we do have a YouTube account. Um, we have we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram and Twitter as well. And what's your handle? Uh, it's at mkedrones on on Instagram and Twitter, and then I think it's facebook.com backslash. MKE drones, I believe, for Somewhere, Facebook yeah. and um, if you search on here, I just find look it. Look on YouTube; easy. it'll it'll yeah. be the first one that pops up if you type in MKE drones. All right, very cool. So we're gonna get into some rapid fire questions, and you can just you know whatever comes to your mind, you just answer them like that. But before we get into it, you get to ask, ask me uh, one question, anything you want, and I'll do my best. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the biggest challenge with? Um, getting your podcast out there into the, into the public eye or the public ear, I guess, actually. Is teaching people how to listen to podcasts. That's been the biggest, um, I guess, the biggest challenge I've had over the last, since the relaunch of last July, is that I found out that 65% of the people out there roughly don't know what a podcast is or how to listen to a podcast. Interesting. Do you, do you feel like that's getting better? I mean, I, I think there's a big uh, there's a big trend towards podcasts right now. I there's, think. there's a big trend, but it, the, the people the the 75 plus million downloads a month are from that 25. percent Okay. So that's you know that's you know and those are all the big names, Joe Rogan's or Tim Ferriss's, yeah. and, and I'm not trying to compete with them. Right. I can't. So in my local market, it's it's funny because I'll go to a networking group or someone they're like they know who I am, they know what I do, they know that I tell the stories, but don't know how to get access to them. Sure. So I'm putting together, again, this beginning of 2019, I'm putting together an entire series, How to Listen. Interesting. To get to that other 65%. Do you feel like it's an age, there's an age gap there no. thing or no? It's just, no. It's just, it's just it's, a, yeah. getting people into it. Getting people into it. To it's, a, it it's a different mindset because, you know, over the last so many, how many years it's been YouTube sure. and video. And video is always going to be strong, but at, to this point right now, Podcasts are outnumbering or getting or t- starting to take over YouTube because it's more easy to yeah. access. Do you um, do you ever listen, watch Gary Vee at all? All the time. So you know he you know what he talks about how audio is the future, the voice yes. is the future because and this has been my experience. I know we're going off on a total. No, that's all right. That's cool. My my experience with pod. I've been listening to podcasts for years. I mean, probably since since I had my first iPod um, um, Touch back in the day when I was in college before iPhones were really when they were first coming out. Um. And the reason is because you can multitask. I mean, you know, maybe it's a little harder to focus sometimes and listen. Like if I'm trying to actually say, for instance, I'm trying to edit, I'm not going to be focusing on what I'm listening to. I'm focused on that. But if I'm driving, right. I mean, for work, my job, I drive a lot. And so podcasts are the perfect, perfect way to listen yes. to stuff and, and, and be learning and just, you know, continuing your education for yourself in that way while you're driving around or even audiobooks or whatever. Um, so I, I'm a firm believer with Gary V that, that the future – Oh, but has he, to do with when audio. he says he's doing less video and more audio, yeah. And he did he did a thing. I think it was like last year, 2018. He was at a conference. Uh, I want to say in Australia, like that. And he talked about like if you're not getting an audio, if you're not doing like that, he goes, you know, if you're not doing it now, I was like, you're falling behind. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. I was like, that that's really cool. That's yeah, I do follow him quite a bit. Uh, even before he even said that. Yeah, he's yeah. He's, I, I I off off and on when I have time, I try to watch some of his videos, and he's he's 
What's interesting is he's not just somebody that um, he's not just a motivational speaker. I mean, he's got backing of like, I can show you that I, you know, do these things or at, at this point have people that do these things for me, but right. You know, and I'm a living example of how these things work. Not just someone up there telling you do this, you know, yeah, without no much backing behind it. All right. My turn. <laughs> my turn. All right. Well, uh, let's see here. What obsessions do you explore on the weekends or your time off? Lots of YouTube, my family. I used to have a significant music obsession with, with playing instruments and stuff, and it's kind of died off here, but I keep thinking I got to jump back into it. Well, that's cool. What instruments? Um, trumpet. I, I have a degree in trumpet, actually, from a bachelor's degree. Um, and then a little bit of guitar. I, I've been, I have one at home. that I, It's a nice guitar that i just been sitting. I, I've played it for a while, and it's been sitting. I got to get back okay. to it. Okay. Yeah, I get back to that. What is something that you believe that other people think is insane? Well, for one, probably that the Gatwick drone thing never happened. I'll go back to that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you threw me off guard here because I, I haven't seen the news since it was a headline. <laughs> I am so, even before it came out, I was so firm on, but when at first they talked about it, like a day later, I was I was reading st- articles. I'm like, there's no proof. Yeah. I would go back to that actually. Okay. I really don't think it happened. Never happened. I'm not like a flat earther or something like that, no. but I think that was a hoax. All right. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm right with you now that you, I get the real news from you. Uh, let's see here. One more. When you think of the word successful, who comes to mind? Honestly, I think my, my owner of, of my full-time job, um, that guy, you know, he now spends most of his time in Florida. Um, but he spent decades and decades building, not just the company that I work at, but some other investments and stuff. And even when he is around, the guy's just on the phone constantly, you know, and then he, the rest of the year he's in Florida, hanging out on his boat. Nice. You know, I think when you're at retirement age, that's kind of, you know, almost what you want to do. Where you want to be, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Any last ask or request or any last parting words for the listeners? Um, I would say, you know, even if you're going to jump into drones as a hobbyist, um, if you're going to, if you, if you just got one for Christmas or if you're thinking about buying one, um, explore the, the, the law side of it. It's actually all about the change for hobbyists. Um, and we don't know what that looks like yet. Congress just passed the law in, I believe, end of October that gave the FAA six months to, um, basically revamp the hobbyist laws. So I can't tell you what that's going to look like yet because they haven't released it. We're looking at probably March, it sounds like, from from the kind of rumblings. Um, but, you know, th- there are existing laws that are out there, so make sure you know those. And then and then once they change, make sure you're, you're following up on that. Um, the worst thing you can do um, is, is fly in an unsafe way and, and break the laws because that's going to affect the whole industry as a whole down the road. You, you don't hear about many drone incidents because there aren't that many, but when something does happen, it kind of tends to make big news and then it creates panic, just like the Gatwick thing. Yeah, I mean, no it, doubt. it creates a panic. Now, every airport in the U.S., they're talking about nobody's prepared. Well, that's because it doesn't really happen. You know, I mean, you could shoot a gun at a plane from the ground too, but it doesn't really happen. So right. no one's really worried about it. Um, so I, I know, like I said, I would say just make sure you know know the laws and make sure you're flying safely. That's awesome. Uh, John, I really appreciate you being on Local First Podcast. It's always been a lot of fun. Um, also want to, again, thank uh, Exacta Studios for Studio 1A and this awesome equipment that we get to use. Thank you so much, John. Yeah, thank you.